0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 2 Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7. Some of you are like, Pastor, I don't know where 2 Chronicles is. It's right after 1 Chronicles. (laughs) I'm no help today, right? I'm giving you no help. 2 Chronicles 7, and we are kicking off a theme, uh, and, and not just a series for the month, but really a theme for the entire year on revival. Some of you have seen the shirts, you've seen some of the apparel. Uh, It's more than just a word. You know, I remember years ago when Rachel and I were living in Prairieville. We were down in Ascension Parish. We probably lived in in AP for, what, 17, 18 years. I remember the first house we lived in Prairieville. It had a fireplace. And uh, Rachel was so excited to have a fireplace. Now, it doesn't get cold in Louisiana too much. But when it does, how many of you are thankful for a little warmth, (laughs) Yeah, and so I don't know how to work the fireplace super well. I'm not real skilled in that, but I did have some wood that my father-in-law had given me that he had chopped. Come on, somebody. And so we had burnt, uh, you know, some logs and man, had some warmth, and the fire kind of went out, and so I remember cleaning out the, 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 the ashes and kind of getting ready. I was going to build another fire, and so I took that ash bucket, and I went to the backyard, and I threw it in the backyard came back in and man, started working on another fire, and then I went to the kitchen and started washing some dishes, and I looked out the window. <laughs> some of y'all are good with fire, and listen, I know I was living in Ascension Parish, and they love fire, but I was a rookie, okay? I didn't know. I looked out the window, and I see this glowing wall of fire. I mean, it was just like, a... I'm like, oh my God. And it was in the woods and then a hayfield on the other side of the woods. I've set the woods on fire. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. How many of you know when you set something on fire, you start moving? I didn't realize that there were still embers that were warm in that old fire that I had discarded. And as long as the wind was blowing, when the oxygen hit those embers, something stirred up. Some of you know where I'm going with this. I want to tell you what I feel for our church in 2023. The wind of God's spirit is blowing. God is stirring and igniting some things within the heart and the spirit of his people. I know stepping into a new year, some of us, we set goals. We we make resolutions. We have certain targets that we're going for this year. We want this year to be different Than last year. How many of you know that if you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done? For us, we have a word, not necessarily goals or resolutions, but our word is revival. Somebody say revival. Now, what comes to your mind when you think of revival? Some of you have been in church for a long time. How many of you have been in church for decades? Oh, yes, you probably have certain thoughts and and images connected to this word. Some of you maybe are brand new to this whole thing called faith. Some of you are are just kind of experiencing for the first time what a journey with God looks like. I know there are all different kinds of thoughts. When we say revival, people have different perspectives. Let me tell you what it's not. Uh, Revival is not necessarily marathon church services, just church till you drop. Six, seven-hour services where you sing it again and again and again until somebody falls out. I was talking to a friend of mine. His dad was an evangelist. He said, Mike, we spent 36 consecutive weeks in revival. I'm like, like Monday through Friday? He says, no, Sunday to Sunday. That's 252 days in a row of church. Come on, somebody. Y'all don't seem real excited about that. Yeah, it's not about revival. It's about survival. Come on, talk to me. It's not necess- Revival's not necessarily marathon church services. It's not necessarily a date on the calendar. You know, we're an evangelist. A hotshot evangelist comes in from out of town. He blows in, he blows up, and he blows out. And then the pastor's got to pick up all the pieces. It's not necessarily what revival is. Revival's not necessarily emotional hype. Now, I love feeling my faith. I love the the emotion that's connected to the journey with God. But the truth is, what do you do when the emotions are no longer there? Mm -hmm. I'm all about Jericho marches. Come on, somebody. We're marching around that wall. The walls are going to fall in Jesus' name. I'm all about blowing the shofar. Come on. Blow the trumpet in Zion. I'm about those things, but we can't make revival about emotionalism or hype. It's got to be built on something a little stronger. It's not necessarily an unhealthy emphasis on spiritual manifestations. I want to be very clear because as a church, we believe in spiritual gifts. We teach the gifts of the Spirit. People ask me, Mike, are the gifts of the Spirit in operation at HPC? (laughs) Yes. Of course they are. I mean, this church is full of the life of the Spirit of God. But at Healing Place, we don't chase gifts. We chase the fruit. How I many know we got to bear fruit? And if we're bearing fruit, the, the gifts apart from fruit are dangerous. If you're chasing gifts, but your life isn't bearing any fruit. You're going to do more damage than you are going to help people. Come on, talk to me. And the gifts are about helping people. God gives gifts to the body of Christ so that he can build up the body, not tear it down. So, yes, we, we believe in speaking in tongues, but we also believe in controlling your tongue. Come on, somebody. It's fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, 2023 is going to be good. I want to take this series to unpack some of the revivals that are recorded in Scripture. If you do a study, if you document revivals that are mentioned in God's Word, and that has to be our starting point. Thank God for all of our different personal experiences and perspectives, but we've got to bring those to the Scriptures and see what does God say about revival. In the Old Testament, there are 14 recorded revivals revivals or moves of God among his people. In the New Testament, you find 10 documented revivals. We're going to look at some of these revivals. I want to tell you about what it is and and what it's not. You know, what is revival? The word revival, revive, it actually comes from two words. The first is vive, viver, which means life. The second is re, which means again. So revival is literally to bring back to life again. And that's why I feel the wind of the Holy Spirit breathing upon the embers of the church because culture would say that the fire of the church has gone out. But Jesus says, this is my church and I'm breathing upon my people and what, maybe what was dead or what was dormant, God says, I'm going to bring it back to life again. 23 is about us stepping into who God has called us to be as a church and as a people. Second Chronicles chapter 7, the context of this revival. This was Solomon. He finished building the temple. And those of you that have been with us, you understand we 've done a series on the Tabernacle of God, where God lived and dwelled among his people, but Solomon was given the opportunity to build the temple. The tabernacle was temporary, but the temple was permanent. You see, God's heart has always been to dwell with his people. We see it in the Old Testament through the tabernacle and then through the temple. We see it in the New Testament with Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it again. What was he talking about? he wasn't talking about a building of bricks and sticks but he was talking about himself he would die on a cross and three days later he would be raised from the dead paul said in his letters to the church now you are the temple of the holy spirit you see when i'm talking about revival in the church i'm not talking about a building i'm talking about with the hearts and the minds and the spirit of god's people can somebody say amen god wants life to be flowing in and through us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then God tells us in Revelation 21, He says that holy city, that new Jerusalem, will come down from heaven and will rest here on earth, and God will permanently live and dwell with His people. God's great desire has always been to live and to dwell with His people. I, I want to, before I read you this, th- this chapter, I want to stop right here and and just underscore this. As you step into a new year, Solomon here is, is rebuilding the temple, a permanent dwelling place for God among his people. Can I challenge you? Prioritize the house of God in 2023. Be in church. Now, I know that's not popular to say, but because people in this day and age, we just distrust everything major institutions we no longer trust anymore. And I understand that there are many people who are deconstructing their faith, maybe because they've been in situations that have been painful, or maybe they've seen hypocrisy, or, well, I I just don't trust the church. I love Jesus, but I don't trust the church. The problem with that is this. Jesus is the head of the church. And you can't just love the head without being a part of the body. Jesus loved the church so much that he died for the church. Now you say, "Well Mike, the church isn't perfect, and the church has hurt me. I get that, but the church is people, and people are people. Are you with me?, maybe you had, you went to a restaurant, you had a bad experience. Man, I didn't like how I was treated at that restaurant. It doesn't stop you from eating. Some of you don't like where you work. Man, I don't like, man, this is crazy at the workplace. Guess what? You're going to get up tomorrow, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to work. Oh, but we'll disconnect from the church. because. Well, I love God, but I don't love the church. Well, listen, you may not be loving God if you don't love his body. Be in church. Look, we're imperfect. You know, we say it every week. I'm not perfect, but I serve the one who is. It's a reminder that there's brokenness inside of us but we need each other as we become more like Christ. Solomon is building this temple, and it's a reminder. This revival is about prioritizing the house of God. Look at what it says, Second Chronicles 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, Fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now, underline that phrase in your Bible. Circle that. This is important. When they offered up sacrifices, after he had finished praying, fire came down and burned up those sacrifices, and then his presence filled the place. The Bible says in verse 2 that the priest couldn't enter the temple of the Lord. Why? because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. I told you what revival isn't. Let me tell you what revival is. Revival is an outpouring of God's presence. It's a prioritizing of his presence. My heart for this church and for your life, for your family this year, is that the presence of almighty God would be central to everything that you do. You don't just experience God's presence when you come to church, but guess what? You take God with you when you go to school. You take God with you when you go to work. He's with you when you're driving the streets of Baton Rouge. Come on, somebody. Oh, sweet Jesus. Man, you you need the presence of God. That's the priority. You, You see, Healing Place is all about his presence. If you subtract the presence of God from HPC, you know what this is? This is just a production. And we're not here for entertainment. Can I have a good amen? amen? Now, I'm all about excellence. We do things with excellence here. Man, when you drove up on campus today, man, you saw a beautiful piece of property. It's well kept. When you walked into the building, you were greeted. Man, there were people that were smiling and kind and gracious. If you checked your kids into to, to nursery or our kids district, man, man, there's a spirit of excellence in which we do everything. But it's not for show. It's not for entertainment, man. Our worship, thank God for for, for the, the, the screens and the lights and, and all that goes with it. But you know what? If you subtract the presence of God, we have nothing. Healing Place Church is all about his presence. It's why we do everything that we do. Bible says that Fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices in the temple and the glory of God was so thick that the priest couldn't even get in the building. Oh, his glory was just so thick. Think about this. There was something supernatural in an unseen realm that invaded the natural, the physical space of that place. My heart for you this year is that God's super would invade your natural. His presence is heaven to me. Oh, in his presence, there's fullness of joy, the Bible says. Listen, if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. I may not have everything I want, but with him, I have everything I need. Can you say amen? Amen. Revival is about an outpouring of his presence. I, I remember when I was in college, And I was visiting a church one Sunday night. We didn't have practice that weekend, so I was able to to go to church. And I sat in the back of this church, and the pastor was up, and he was ministering to people. And and there were some people that he had prayed for that were falling out on the floor. And I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And and there's probably about 500 people in the building. I'm sitting in the very back on the last row, and I'm not wanting to be seen. And he looks across the the church and he sees me and he says, how about my basketball player friend back there? You need to come up here and get some of this. I'm thinking, some of what? I see what's happening. I'm not sure I want that. He says, you need to come up here and get some of this. I want to pray for you. Well, I didn't want to disrespect the man of God. My parents taught me right. And so I cautiously got up from the back and started walking down the aisle. Listen, I know this is going to sound bizarre, but this is the truth. I, don't, I can't explain it. And that's something when, when the super invades the natural, you just can't explain it. There are parts of God that you'll never be able to explain. If you can explain the totality of God, he ceases to be God. How many of you know that the infinite is always greater than the finite? And I'm walking down the aisle, not knowing what I was walking into. And that pastor didn't even lay hands on me. I got halfway down, didn't even make it to the front. And it felt like something was pushing on my head. And I, I'm fighting it too. I'm like, man, what? I'm, I'm wrestling with some, who jumped? Like a big old bear jumped on my back. <laughs> but it was the Shekinah, the glory of God that descended on me and I was plastered to the floor. Couldn't even move, velcroed to the floor. I couldn't get up. And it was something that I had never experienced, something that even feels strange explaining it to you, but it was totally supernatural. You say, Mike, I thought you said revival wasn't emotionalism. There was no emotion in that. I was not anticipating what was gonna happen. Let me tell you this. Revival is not about the falling out, but it's being transformed when you get back up. You see, I went down one way, but came up another way. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? When you're prioritizing his presence, supernatural things happen. Let me ask us this. Do we still believe in miracles? Do we still believe in the God of the supernatural? How many of you, God, has done something in your life, in your family, in your children, in your marriage, in your finances, in you personally, that you just can't explain, but you know it was God? And Let me give you a warning. If we make revival the focus, we're going to end up disappointed and disillusioned. But if we make Jesus the focus, we're going to end up with revival. You see the difference? We're going after God in 2023. Man, our our whole pursuit is his presence. How many of you need more of him? How many of you want more of God in your family? Want more of God in your finances? Want more of God in your children? Uh, Listen, you can have all of God that you want this year. The goal is to experience and encounter his presence. The Bible says in Psalm 26, verse 8, I love your sanctuary, O Lord. It's the place where your glorious Presence dwells. Somebody said this recently about Healing Place. They said, I walked into HPC, and it's like walking into grandma's house when she's been cooking all morning. You just feel welcomed, and you feel at home. There's something about the presence of God that's disarming. There's something about the presence of God that this world, I'm telling you, it has a bunch of counterfeits, but it can never reproduce the real thing. People are chasing all kinds of pleasures and entertainment and medication. And there's all different kinds of stuff that people, relationships, this will make me happy and this is going to bring fulfillment. And none of that works but the presence of God. What is revival? It's an outpouring of his presence. Look at what it says in verse 3. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, what did they do? They fell face down on the ground. If revival starts with an outpouring of God's presence, number two, what's our response? A genuine humility. The scripture said they just went face down to the ground. I'm telling you, when you are in the tangible presence of God, there is no room for pride. You know what I've learned about today's culture? Two things. Today's culture is full of ignorance. And arrogance come on can I say that again do you see that all around you it is every today's culture reads of ignorance and arrogance but in the presence of God something supernatural happens inside of us man when we see him for who he is then all of a sudden we get perspective about our own lives Now, we may be better than that person down the road or that person next door or that person at school or that person at at work. But when we stand face to face with God, we realize how desperately we need him. There's a genuine humility that marks people who have encountered God. In fact, there's this phrase that the Bible uses a lot, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. I think we've gotten away from the fear of God. You say, Mike, I thought we weren't supposed to be afraid. The fear of the Lord is not about being afraid of. It's having a reverence for. Man, we ought to have a reverence for who God is. Man, listen, if God says it in his word, we ought to revere and honor this book. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Man, when you get away from the fear of the Lord, you invite all kinds of craziness into your world. And we have done that. Uh, Is it just me, or does it feel like we have lost our minds? We're calling right, wrong, and we're calling wrong, right, and we're letting culture try to rewrite the parameters of what God has already given us. Listen, if we didn't design it, then we can't define it. But it was God who created the human soul. It was God who put us together. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you get away from the fear of God, you invite all kinds of craziness, and that's what we're seeing in culture today. Man, we've turned our nose and say, God, we know better than you. We've defied him, we've rebelled against him, but in his presence, the Bible says, they fell flat on their face. A fear of the Lord. I know this isn't popular, but, man, I feel so compelled. We've got to bring a fear of God back into our lives and to our families. We've got to teach our children a fear of the Lord. And let, me, let me give you this analogy. It's kind of like electricity. I'm not afraid of electricity, but I respect its power. If you treat electricity with respect, beautiful things happen. Ladies, how many of you curled your hair this morning? How many you needed to curl your hair? Just you put that little curling iron in. Fellas, how many had a piece of toast? Anybody? Nobody? Y'all didn't eat breakfast? How many of you like to walk into a dark room, flip on a light switch, and boom, there it is? If you treat electricity with respect, it's beautiful. But disrespect electricity one time. It's swift and severe. You know, it's kind of like I thought about this. How many had a fear of your dad growing up? I know this is kind of, this isn't popular, because modern parenting techniques have changed and evolved, but I used to get spanked. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Now, my mama, she was so sweet. Mama, if you're watching this, I love you, I love you, I love you. But I wasn't scared of you one bit. (laughs) Mama used to whip us with a fly swatter, okay? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, she would literally, she'd grab us by one hand, take a flashlight, and we, ooh, 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 She'd whip in 360s. We'd literally, three, pop, pop, pop. Mama, it didn't hurt. I'm telling you, it didn't hurt. I remember one time we got in trouble, me and my sisters, we were playing in a place we shouldn't have, there's an alley behind the trailer, uh, trailer park and we weren't supposed to be there and I was back there with my sisters and mama come walking around the trailer. She had that, that apron on and had that rolling pin in her hand and she marched us back into that trailer, bent all three of us over the couch, took that fly swatter, and then at the end, kind of like a typewriter, back and forth. Have you ever got the giggles at the worst time? I me mean, for real, me and my I just started laughing. I started laughing, my sister started laughing. Oh, you think that's funny? You think that's funny? Well, let me tell your dad when he gets home. How I many you know that was a game changer right there? <laughs> Truth is I didn't fear mama, but I feared dad. Because dad had what was called the board of education. It was literally a a wooden board that had a red schoolhouse painted on it called board of education. And there were moments, now my dad was a fifth grade teacher for 30 years, and there were moments where that board of education met my seat of learning. Come on, somebody. (laughs) No, don't tell dad. Why? I was afraid of dad. Now listen, I'm not saying you need to be afraid of God, but hear me, parents, this is important. You're a parent first. You're a friend second. Now my dad's one of my closest friends. But guess what? I couldn't have that relationship with him until I first respected him. Now listen, you want a relationship with God, you're going to have to respect him. There needs to be an awe. There needs to be a reverence. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 33. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. Listen to this. He will be the sure foundation. Somebody say sure foundation. For all of your times, he will be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Now listen, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. How many of you, you need wisdom, you need knowledge, you need the salvation of God? Well, the key is what's going to unlock what's on the other side of that. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is what's going to give you access to that. Number one, an outpouring of God's presence. Number two, a genuine humility. Look at what it says in the last half of, of verse three. The Bible says, not only did they fall on their face, but they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. The third thing I want you to see is this, number three, a greater passion, a greater passion. Not only is revival centered around the presence of God, not only is there a a humility a respect and an honor of who he is but it stirs within us a passion the bible says they worshiped and they praised the lord saying he is good how many of you have seen the goodness of god in your life well you know what you need to declare it you don't just acknowledge it you need to talk about it man you need to thank him for it you need to tell other people in your life man god has been so good to me Hey, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? Oh, let me tell you about how good God is. So many times we enter conversations sharing all of our problems and we forget all the good things that he's done. I think revival is about stirring up a passion inside of you. I'm not talking about emotions or hype, but I'm talking about a fire that's in your belly. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Paul told young Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. You see, my part, part of what I want to accomplish in this series is to stir up that thing that's inside of you. Man, God has a a talent. There's a gift. There's a calling in you. And the preaching of God's word, it stirs all of that stuff up. When you sit under the word of God and you hear biblical teaching, things are going off inside of you like fireworks. Man, it's like snap, crackle, pop. Why? Because that's the purpose, the God-given purpose in you that's responding to the stirring of God's word. There's a passion that's built. You bring energy. Man, when you come to God's house, you bring expectation. But listen, your passion is your responsibility. Don't, Don't wait for Pastor Mike to come and preach you up into a good mood. Come on now. Always getting quiet in here. What are you going to do tomorrow morning? Go to work, go to school, man, start your day. You got to stir up that gift that is in you. You got to declare the goodness of God. Let me, let me wrap this up. Let me, I've got a couple of minutes left. Finally, the Bible says this. And so the king, 2 Chronicles 7, 5. And so the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. I want you to see the last part of this. One of these recorded Old Testament revivals, the scripture tells us that it all centered around an outpouring of God's presence. There was a reverence and a respect for who he is and what he does. There was a passion and a praise that came from the people, but it finishes by telling us that Solomon and all the people dedicated the temple of the Lord. The fourth thing is this, number four, revival is about a wholehearted Dedication. It's about being dedicated. There's something that we're committed to. Committed to his house, committed to his presence, committed to his word. This year, I'm going to make some commitments. Now, I know sometimes we shy away from making commitments because we're afraid to make promises that we can't keep. Or sometimes we don't set goals in January because we've done it before and we've never been able to. Cross the finish line of everything that we've wanted to do. Can I, can I tell you this? Something is better than nothing. I would rather you set 10 goals and only check off three of them than set no goals and check off all of them. Let me say it this way. I would rather try and fail than fail because I never tried. Come on, talk to me, talk to me. A whole heart, why do we shy away from commitment? What is it about dedication that causes us to double clutch? You know, a roadmap for the month of January, and I wanna close this way, roadmap. We're gonna pray starting tomorrow morning. We're gonna do prayer Monday through Friday. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., if you're able to be with us, be with us, gather with believers and pray together. If you can't be with us in the morning, Online, whether your work—if you can steal away just a few moments and watch online—we have thousands of people that gather online to be a part of a, uh, of a uh, corporate prayer time together, where we're praying for some specific things. All things as it relates to stirring up the gift of God and the revival and God's spirit within this church can you imagine if thousands of people were committed and connected to praying for revival in their lives in their families in their communities and in the church can you imagine what would happen prayer is going to be a part of that we're fasting there's a lot of information on the website that that can help you with that we are going to do some revival nights not this coming week, but the next week. We're going to do three nights here at our Highland campus. A friend of mine's coming in from California named Chris, Chris Harold. Many of you know Chris. You love him. He's going to bring a great word. He's going to preach Monday night. Tuesday, I've asked Jonathan Stockstill and the Bethany Church family to join us. Their band's going to combine with our band. He's going to preach. Listen, revival's not just a healing place thing. We want revival for this city. Man, this is so much bigger than just us. Can I tell you, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. It's, it starts with one person, but it never stops with one person. Come on. And so, man, we're believing something for this community. You know what else we're gonna do? We're gonna commit to reading God's Word. We've got these one-year Bibles available for you today. Maybe some of you have never taken the journey in trying to read the Bible. You say, Mike, read the Bible through in a year? Listen, if you don't read it all the way through, something is better than nothing starting something and stepping out in faith and just see what God does. It's amazing what happens when God's people come together, singleness of heart, singleness of mind, singleness of purpose, what God can do. You know, some of you, I'm sure probably most of you probably saw this week, if you weren't watching the football game, maybe you saw the stories, see the Buffalo Bills game on Monday night, there's safety. Darren Hamlin, that, that hit, and that moment. And, and when he got up and then fell down, and, and just, man, there was just this, oh my goodness, what is going on? What's happening? And in the, the days following, I was very dialed in. Man, we prayed for this young man, prayed for his family. Oh dear God, what's going on? It's incredible how the eyes of not just the NFL, but the whole nation were around this moment. And man, I was so encouraged to hear Thursday, the good news of his physical progress. I mean, you just imagine all the prayers that have been offered up for this young man. But you know, this near-death experience pulled not just the NFL, but the entire country together. And you know what I saw last night? I didn't watch the whole game, but I saw a brief moment. In last night's game, the Jacksonville Jaguars were playing, I think the Tennessee Titans. Put that picture up on the screen. You know what they did before the game? Did you see that moment? Was that... Now think about it. This young man had been fighting for his life. What is revival? It's life coming back to you. You know where I'm going with this. If the NFL can rally, this is a beautiful picture of grown men on their knees, and what are they doing? They're seeking God. If God can use this experience in in an athletic realm, what do you think he can do if the church would feel a sense of urgency and pray and kneel before God and believe that he brings life back into dead places, There's a strength back to empty spaces. The scripture says this in 2 Chronicles 7. Here's the anchor scripture of the whole theme of revival. God said, if my people, somebody say my people, who are called by my name, somebody say his name." will humble themselves, what are we doing? We're gonna revere and reverence God. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, the priority of his presence, and turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from heaven. He says, I will forgive their sins and I'll bring healing to their land. Come on, clap your hands. Stand to your feet if you believe that today. Thank you for listening.